standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. Coming to you on the 23rd of January. However, you won't be hearing this until January the 24th. Yes, I have a missed Monday. (laughs) This will be episode 338. Sometimes life just gets in the way. (laughs) So, uh, just as a recap of events, as you may have heard, the school board race in McKinney ISD just got more interesting. In the last week, we've picked up yet another candidate, which is both good and bad. That gives us another choice that is um, helpful in uh, picking somebody that is not Stephanie O'Dell, who needs to be retired. Unfortunately, when you have two people that are right of center, two conservatives that get in the same race, that makes it more difficult to have a vote total that would be higher as an individual than the incumbent. Because somewhere along the line, when they set up the school board elections, they decided that a majority was not needed. A simple plurality would work. Now, far be it from me to question who came up with that idea, but that's just insane. So you could have anywhere from 35 to 48% of the people in a city who elect an official that once there never really goes away and becomes near impossible to defeat. Just don't see that that's a good way to represent our people. Correspondingly, it should be known that once there, 20 to 30 to, at this point, I don't even know how long Lynn Speary's been on this board. Uh, Things change. I mean, you can go through two generations of students and these same people are there and they have no idea what the implications are for the younger students. Yet, the inertia is there to just leave all enough alone. Well, it's not that bad. If we, if we change things, you know, it could get worse. It, there could be problems. So I would just caution you, my dear listener, consider it this way. Yeah, it's not fun having two people that largely agree with each other running against the same person. But just remember, both people want the same thing, which is to retire the incumbent. Now, unfortunately, that means that our side if you will, our team, if you will, is going to be fighting amongst themselves again. And I would very much like to remind both sides of this equation, the opponent is Stephanie O'Dell, not each other. Run your races clean. Focus on the policy failures. Focus on the lack of followed procedures. Try to avoid the personalities and for God's sakes, don't attack the other person that's looking to take out the incumbent. I will tell you right now that there are hurt feelings. There's going to be hurt feelings. It's inevitable in politics that when somebody you perceive being on your team goes and does something different or goes off the script and, well, you know, things change. You adapt. You remember who the opponent is and you focus on that. Lord knows that the Republican Party always seems a way to reinforce the idea that they are the stupid party. And it pains me. 
as a Republican, as a liberty-loving person, that the only party that is functional, (laughs) such as it is, that will even nominally stand for liberty spends more time fighting itself or people on its own team than remembering who the person is or the team is that we're seeking to defeat or prevent from taking power. But the more things change, the more they stay the same. So uh, that was item number one. Item number two, uh, the long-term or long uh, time restaurant in downtown McKinney, the pantry is closing its doors. Now, uh, the Merediths, who have uh, had it for the last 20-some years, they're retiring from that phase of their life. Not entirely sure what their next steps are, but I will tell you they have done a great service to downtown McKinney, and they have hosted a ton of political events, most of which I was happy that were taking place in the city of McKinney. Um, You know, the guy ran against the previous, or the current mayor, I should say, in the previous race, ran a... Well, he ran a race. Uh, I like the guy. I like the you know the family and what they've done for the city. And sadly, those that are on the other side of the political aisle have just taken this opportunity to celebrate the fact that they're closing and badmouth them and talk smack. You know, when you have a business that's open and they're providing a service for the general public and they don't mistreat any of their patrons, why would you do that? That doesn't seem right to me. I mean, look, there are plenty of companies out there that do things that I'm not happy about, that they support things that I don't agree with, but I would never take it upon myself to badmouth them or talk smack about their service or their product. I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't seem right. If if you're not happy, then don't go there. If if you don't like what they support, then don't darken their doors. It's you don't have I just it's sad. It's sad the way that we live in this world today. It's sad that we go after people because we disagree with them politically. And both sides do it. But it, it, and in you know, fairness, I I've done it myself on occasion. You know, you get upset, you think, oh, well, I'm just going to go vent or I'm going to take it out. But I would never punish a person's business for their political bent or personal views. Now, it's different. I, I will I will say it's different when the owner or the company itself actively prescribes that you have to sign on to something before you will be able to buy their product or take part in their service. I mean, we saw this during the lockdowns, right? You know, fortunately, the the owners of the pantry were not among them. They they believe in liberty enough that they treated all their customers well, and they had a good long-term business. And we should celebrate that regardless of what their political views are. That's just my two cents. But I mean, that's where I went. I went to basically the goodbye party that was on a Saturday. It wasn't really a party, but it was just kind of a time for some of us to go and say goodbye and thank them for their good service. And uh, I know Ted, the man that has the cocktail creamery, is going to be sticking around. He's moving to a slightly different location downtown, and I'm looking forward to darkening his doors and saying hi and partaking in the uh, excellent ice cream he has. You know, the more that uh, downtown changes, 
the more exciting things get, the more uh, interesting they get. Now, granted, uh, <laughs> I've heard it remarked, there's nothing inexpensive downtown anymore. Well, yeah, that's that's true. I don't think that that's necessarily a reflection on the individual businesses or the owners. It's just, you know, it's become expensive to work downtown. It's been expensive to have a business downtown. Now, how, how that will stay that way after they open the new uh, city hall complex? Don't know. I mean, there's a lot of buildings down there that have city offices. So I wonder, you know, after the city offices vacate the downtown square area, how the rents will stay that high. I can't imagine that they would. There will be a whole lot more supply and perhaps not the same amount of demand. But we move on. We, we, we look to the next evolution, if you will, of the downtown area. Whether or not you are a big fan of the city hall complex, it, it is exciting. I mean, it is a giant leap forward. Yes, there's going to be debt. Yet, Yes, there's going to be some consequences and things are going to get changed up and they're going to kind of reorg how the entire east side of Highway 5 is orientated. And for better or for worse, that's where we're at. And if you're upset by that, if you're distressed by that, you know the outcome of local elections is largely determined by showing up. If that was something that was concerning you or bothering you, you had an opportunity to vote for somebody else. You had an opportunity to speak on this. But that ship has sailed. We have to adapt and we look forward to what the opportunities are and, you know, to consider that they're going to revitalize, (laughs) I'm holding up the scare quotes there, Highway 5, they're going to reorg it, Um, they're going to spend a ton of money doing it and one would hope that the outcome will offset the cost, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it's, it's wishful thinking. I mean, that's always the goal, right? I have no doubt that the leadership of the city wants to do big things. They want to do good things. Um, I'm also certain that it will line their pockets. But look, you can't get people that are wealthy and business owners and city leaders to invest in the city if they're not getting a return. So we shouldn't be bitter about it. We shouldn't necessarily hold it over their heads if they're going to benefit. It's just... When they benefit at our loss, that it's a problem. And that still remains to be seen. So bide your time. Let's see what happens. Um, we need to look no further than the $200 million they want to invest in the airport. And again, I think having an airport in Collin County that's larger is a good idea. I have faith and hope that at some point, maybe we'll get passenger service out of the McKinney National. I think that would be great. Is it going to change the east side of McKinney? Absolutely. Is it going to cause some challenges, perhaps down in Fairview or even in uh, Princeton? Sure. Bridge Farmer Road is probably going to be wildly expanded at some point because of this. These are not necessarily bad things. I mean, for the last 25 years, you've all known there's an airport out there. You've known that the long-term goal was to make it larger and bigger. Now, the airport doesn't bother me. I'm not excited about having lived in a flight path. I did when I was younger. But it doesn't ruin your world. And as a matter of fact, I will tell you right now that if I could go afford to purchase a piece of property on the south end of that airport or even on the north end of the airport, 
even though it'd be in the flight pattern, it would not bother me in the least. So, hey, listen, if you got an acre or two out there that you have a house on and you just don't want to live there anymore because that airport's going to wreck your world, give me a call. I'll be happy to talk terms because that doesn't bother me. And I, and I really like that area of town. I think it's, I think it's a nice semi-rural area. And just because you got a plane flying over does not have to change that. There are plenty of opportunities to enjoy what's there. The $200 million worth of debt, on the other hand, well, hopefully, hopefully that'll be offset. Hopefully there will be, you know, enough revenue increased or enough uh, additional businesses around the area that will offset that with revenue. I mean, that's how they always sell it. And we have to be hopeful. Now we have seen historically stadiums never pay for themselves. We see that most airports always require a subsidy. That's, in my world, kind of a, a necessary cost, if you will. If you want to have good transportation, if you want to grow, there's going to be a cost. And the question is, is you as a voter, you as a citizen, you have to determine, is that an acceptable cost? Is this something that you're willing to bear for this benefit? Much like you have your parks or your roads, do you get a good return on your expense, your investment? I think you can make the argument for the airport. I'm not 100% certain. I'd like to see what it's going to look like, but it's something that I'm willing to talk about and discuss and have an open mind with. The question is, is it a fair trade-off? Does does the city of McKinney, does Collin County benefit? And benefit to an extent that it was worth what we're investing in it. Time will tell. But it's a busy time. It's a, it's a busy season, if you will. There are many things going on, a lot of moving pieces. None the, none, uh, the less, the municipal elections are coming up. I live in McKinney. I'm up front about that. I am less than ecstatic about the le- leadership in the city of McKinney. I think that we should have at least one or two people on that city council that have diverse opinions that have diverse ideas. I don't concern myself about the diverse background, diverse look, diverse language. That's okay, fine, whatever. But what I really am looking for is diverse thought process. Now, we already have a quasi-progressive leadership in the city of McKinney. My idea of diversity doesn't necessarily suggest that more progressive or radical leftist is the way to go. And I'm not suggesting anybody running is that just so we're clear. But what I do think would be valuable is somebody that was a little more conservative, somebody that was a little more slow to move, somebody that would question whether or not the payoff or the return on these investments is there. Somebody with a different kind of business background, perhaps somebody that is a little more cautious at big projects. And I'm not suggesting that I don't want projects. I'm not suggesting that we don't look forward, that we don't, you know, take advantage of what's available, whether it's from federal or state funding. But keep in mind that money is not free. It's coming from somewhere. They took it from somebody else. The question is, is it going to be a good investment? And when everybody always gets on the bandwagon and there's very little dissent or discussion on the city council, 
it's concerning to me that everybody just goes along to get along or, I mean, that really leaves a couple of scenarios. They're either invested in it, they're getting a payoff from it, or they just don't get it, which could also translate in they don't care. None of those three options are all that exciting or beneficial for the city. And this is no different in the city of McKinney than any other city. You look no further than Plano. I mean, if you're happy with what they've done to Plano, if you think that's a good outcome, well, then, I mean, McKinney's on its way there. Frisco's on its way there. I'm a little dubious. I'm a little dubious. You can only take on so much debt before you can't possibly pay it off. McKinney has been a little more reserved in that. And kudos to the leadership of the city of McKinney for not spending us into oblivion. But I don't think it's for lack of trying. <laughs> I, I, I question what goes on in our name. But I, being that I don't know the details and I don't get that vested in what they're doing because I have so many other things going on in my life, I, I'm not going to throw them under the bus. It's just not appropriate. It's not the way to look at things. So that leaves me to the last portion. Taking time. Taking time to understand. Now, we have to do a lot of things based on faith, right? We, we elect people to go represent us. We send them either to City Hall or the State Capitol or the school board, and we expect that they're going to represent us. We expect that they're going to put our interests in mind when they make their decisions. But we have to take the time to look at the results. We have to take the time to evaluate, are we getting what we asked for? Are we being heard? Are our concerns being addressed? Do these people actually do what they said they were going to do? Sadly, the reality is most often no. Whether it's the elected state reps that we have who over time become far more interested in maintaining their own power, their own position, and less concerned about actually working for their constituents or protecting liberty, whether it's the um, local officials that get on the bandwagon of whatever the you know latest fad is, the latest thing that we want to do. I think the latest one is the live, work, play scenario, right? Where we're going to just create these little bubbles of entertainment and workplaces where people live upstairs from it. And I think that's great. In its place. I, I think that's a nice option to have. But if you put 50 of them in, what are you really accomplishing? Nothing. You're taking away the benefit. You're taking away the uniqueness of it. The tagline in my city is unique by nature. And there are a lot of people in the city that are upset because, quite frankly, we're eliminating a lot of the nature, thus becoming less unique. But let's look at what we're getting for trade. What are we getting out of it? Well, we now have over 210,000 people in our city. That requires more roads. That requires more businesses. That requires better access. So yeah, some of that's going to go away. Some of it's set aside to parks. Some of it's set aside to trails. You know, this is where the urban planning comes in. One of the unique aspects behind urban planning is they think they know what the people are going to want 10, 15, 
25 years from now, and they try and plan accordingly. But historically, this is not shown to work out all that great. It, the cycle of desires of generations change over time, and trying to anticipate and guess from the center doesn't turn out well. Perhaps if we were to look at things a little bit differently. Perhaps if we were to, I don't know, allow people the freedom, the liberty, that if they own a piece of property, they, they can change their house. I mean, look, I'm not all that excited about having a house painted pink next to me either, or somebody deciding to throw up a stone castle on a you know quarter acre lot that's across the street from me because it looks out of place, but they either own that property or they don't. So I'm suggesting that that coupled with the idea that housing is super expensive right now, maybe we could make more dense housing, but they were individual homes. You look no further. They've got this little experimental place up on 380 in um, Harden, I believe, by the uh, floor decor. I think it's a unique idea. I'm not sure how it's going to play out long term, but, but I'm encouraged because we're trying something different. Now, the city has restrictions on what you can build your house of, how tall, how wide, how many windows, and all that stuff. Code's important in the sense that you don't want people putting up cardboard boxes and living in them. But on the flip side, if you can relax some of the standards, some of the requirements, especially in certain sections of building, you give people flexibility to try something new, to do something innovative, to to utilize materials that are newly designed or reconfigured, right, for their use. These new ideas are what spurs change, that gives opportunities to other people or other groups of people that maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to do that. Now, I grew up in a part of town where the salt box was a very common build, but it mixed in with the salt boxes were a ton of duplexes. Now, if you don't know what a duplex is, it's basically there's one house stacked on top of another house. And there's a common entrance, usually on the side of the building, so that one family lives upstairs and one family lives downstairs, completely separate. See, you could have more density, but it doesn't look out of place. It doesn't fit with the character or I should say it continues to fit with the character of the location that it's at. You know, the other thing that was interesting when I was growing up is we had a whole section of town or on the main highway that had an offset access road and there was just four families or eight families all down that road. They were beautiful um, stone buildings. Um, They had long-term families in there. Uh, They were basically starters, for a lot of young families. I mean, I lived in one for a while. It was great. And when you're time to move on, you you buy your small house or perhaps you get a rental house and then you move up. But if you take that away, if you if you make everything the same, everything cookie cutter, everything high end if you will, you're just eliminating opportunities. Every election cycle we hear about the poor or the underserved or whatever else the reason why they're having struggles is they don't have any options that fit within what they want. Oh, you can you can subsidize their housing and put them in something they can't possibly afford without that subsidy, but are you really helping them? Are you really putting them in a better position? I don't think so. Or or you can make cheap 
stuff, right? Well, that's going to be expensive long term as well. And, you know, the city's very concerned. Every city's very concerned about their image. They, they want to have a perceived value to living in a specific town. There's a reason why people desire to move to McKinney or Frisco. There's a desire why people want to go into the park cities. There's, there's a reason why people look at South Lake, right? It's because there's a perceived value there, but it's uber expensive. But if you look at, I don't know, and I'm, I don't mean this to discourage anybody, but if you look at East Plano, and I mean near East Plano because Far East Plano is now turned into Far West Plano, but if you look at near East Plano, a few years ago, there was actually reasonable housing there. They were older homes. They were basically well-kept. I mean, some of those neighborhoods weren't necessarily where you would want to have young children, right? But there was nothing wrong with it. I mean, if I'm a young adult and I'm not having a family, that it's good investment property. That's a good place to live. It's close to everything. There's value there. But if you don't see it, if you don't know what it is, you can't take advantage of it. I, I think at the end of the day, people need to remember that different people have different needs and different desires. We can't force everybody into the same box. It's not doing anybody a favor. It's not doing anybody any good. But you have to take the time to acknowledge that, to see this, to to observe what's playing out in front of you. That's what I say. You got to take the time. You got to look at what what's the outcome in your school district? What's the outcome in your city council? What's the outcome at your county level? What's the outcome at your state level? Are they doing things that respect liberty, individual liberty? Are they doing things that both protect the community but allow for the community to adapt and change the needs the desires of the people that actually live there? I think that's a very fair question. And before you go into any kind of voting booth, before you go show up at a city council meeting or school board meeting or the county commissioner's court or even go down to Austin, you ought to have a good idea what it is you want to see. You ought to be able to visualize what does the future look like in my mind's eye and are the policies that they are putting forth going to get us there or take us further away from it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with disagreeing with somebody else. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a different vision. The idea is we have to coexist with each other with similar visions and similar ideas. And there's no reason why 20 miles down the road, somebody else with a different vision and a different idea how the right way to live is can't function and do their thing there. We have to be very cautious of forcing other people to do things because that's the way we would want it done. So I apologize again for not popping this out last night. You'll be listening to it in the morning. I will have a normally scheduled uh, episode, if you will, this afternoon, and I will look forward to seeing you on the other side.